0: Hi everybody! Welcome to the Future Podcast. I'm your host Sean Donlan. This is our new podcast. Due to the COVID nineteen outbreak, we haven't been able to host any of our regular events. What I wanted to do is bring a part of the event to you at home. I'll be interviewing successful entrepreneurs and professionals and get them to tell stories about how they got to where they are today. What was the main reasons for their success and where they're going? I hope you enjoy their stories, get some value from them in this very strange time. There's an old saying. It'll all be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Enjoy, everybody. Sean, how's it going? Hey, Zane, how are you? Good, good, good. What's happening? You surviving the pandemic?
1: Surviving the pandemic, uh, just on the roof of the house, looking at sunset and uh, staying home, as yeah. you
0: do. Beautiful day for a change. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. This is uh, the pilot podcast, so... My guest number one, Future Under 40. Thanks for, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So going to give a quick overview of what the podcast is. Basically, it's a follow-up from the Future Under 40 networking event, speaking to successful young individuals, and bringing that networking event basically back to people's homes because everybody's in lockdown. And hopefully, we can bring a bit of value to people while they're trying to you know, get back to normal. So um, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, please, and thanks.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, So just for everybody else out there, Sean and I met uh, when I took a plane trip from Toronto to Vancouver, and a good friend of mine who's been quite successful in stunt performing for uh, Hollywood films decided he wanted to buy uh, an exotic car. His name's Justin Howell. Um, I'm sure you will put the link in there, but... Yeah, he wanted to get a McLaren and you and I met while I was here on vacation just exploring BC and uh you got me into McLaren so I uh two weeks later flew out to uh Vancouver and started working with you and uh you and I sold McLarens in western Canada it's pretty awesome
0: that's right yeah a lot of fun not too many McLarens being sold in western Canada right now but <laughs> exactly. things, things have
1: changed a little bit but it was it was funny um, I remember I started April of 2019, and that's exactly when they introduced the 25% luxury tax.
0: Yes. Exactly. So
1: I came into, you know, BC as a new individual with no portfolio with 25% luxury tax. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't easy. You, know, you really had to work that extra bit to to make yeah, things yeah.
0: successful. Exactly. So tell us a bit about. I suppose you younger, while you got into sales, while you got into marketing, you've got a, you've got a pretty stacked v, uh, resume. So like your, your resume is not just McLaren or Vancouver. You've uh, worked with some, some of the <coughs> brands in the world. You've been successful with um, all of them. So I'd like to hear a bit about, a bit about that, a bit about your um, business history, your professional history and kind of what that led up to and where your plan, where your plans are for the future, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the turning point for me was when I was 18 and I moved out of my house. And I went to school in Toronto, downtown. Uh, small town kid moving into the big city. Yeah. And I managed to get a job with Apple uh, in 2007. So mm-hmm. this is before iPod Touch, before iPhone, before iPad. And I started as a part-time specialist. So I was like a seasonal guy for the Christmas rush. And from there, I kind of worked my way up and was pretty amazed working for this, this company. And I was actually learning way more working for them than I was at school. So yeah. I started to have this dilemma. And yeah. I remember one of my managers told me, Hey Zane, uh, do you want to do this full time? And I said, sure, that sounds great. So I pursued that. And for three years, I worked in an Apple store that had... Anywhere from 150 to 200 people at a time in a store.
0: So this was, was all, gone. this was all Steve Jobs alive and everything. This is like, yeah, Steve Jobs Mania. Alive yeah,
1: everything. yeah. We, we would have quarterly meetings and he would address the entire teams, uh, which was pretty neat. So yeah, I kind of, you know, drank the Kool-Aid you could say, like and that. started to learn how to interact with people, how to sell, how to work in a fast paced environment, Um, and then was recognized as, you know, someone who's really taken this seriously. And I got to go around Canada and open up different retail stores. Um, so they were pretty, pretty intense. It was two week training courses. We'd go to Winnipeg, Vancouver, and we'd open up uh, a brand new store. So you'd train people, you'd learn to hire people, uh, train technicians, train trainers, train salespeople. Uh, so it was a pretty cool experience for sure. Yeah. And probably one of the coolest parts was definitely launching the iPhone in Canada. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the lineups where people clap and all that stuff, but this was like back in the day when this just started and, and I got to, to be a part of that. So that was really, really cool.
0: Great. So um, when did you finish there?
1: Uh, well, it was kind of interesting how it happened. My girlfriend at the time started studying public relations and this is when Twitter and Facebook really started to blast off. Yeah. And I was, I was totally against all the social media stuff back in like 2010, I'd say. And yeah, she was studying public relations and I got onto Twitter and I was just like, this is incredible. What a powerful tool. And there was this individual, he was a young guy. He used to work for Facebook and he started a company that sold a platform, a social media platform to Blackberry. And then it was an enterprise level piece of software and then he scaled it globally. So I sent him a tweet one day because I wanted to work for his company. And he said, yeah, come in for an interview. Okay, uh, yeah. he, he made me do a competitive analysis on all the other um, pieces of software out there. And he said it was way off, but he loved the presentation, the way it looked. <laughs> that he's like, I'm hiring you for sure.
0: <laughs> <Brilliant>. So
1: <clears throat> yeah, so I was like 22 at the time, putting on a suit and tie, taking, you know, same day flight to New York City, training you know, high end executives at JP Morgan on how to use social media on this platform. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, uh, quite a job. Were, so what was, what was the name of that company? Uh, that company was called Syncaps. So they, they had offices okay. mainly in Toronto. Uh, they had one in London, uh, UK and uh, New York city.
0: And when did you finish up with those guys and what? The next move was what happened
1: there. Um, so that company unfortunately didn't succeed the way that people were expecting to. And I'll tell you why. Um, and this is a perfect example. They had all their eggs in one basket from my understanding. Uh, the company was built to sell, which is number one. So the motive was to sell the company, not actually create a valuable product. Um, even though it was, it was quite sophisticated at the time, but Blackberry was the majority of their revenue. And as BlackBerry started to decrease their, their share and the iPhone started to take over, um, I guess they just, their marketing budget wasn't as huge. So Syncaps kind of went under. Yeah. So at that point, it was, it's kind of funny. I was always into sales, love people, love luxury goods. I decided to get, uh, into automotive sales. So I didn't want to sell Toyotas, Hondas or anything like that. And I went around all the different luxury dealerships in Toronto trying to, to get in with no experience at all. Everyone said, you know what, do a year, two or three at Toyota or Honda and, and then give me a call. But I ended up getting in, in a, a city about 40 minutes away from Toronto, uh, Waterloo, yep. and still Mercedes there and just learned, my, learned the craft. Mr. Waterloo, Waterloo learn the craft. Uh, one of my you know, good friends now, he took a gamble on me and... Yeah, third car I ever sold was a Ferrari F430. Nice, <laughs> yeah, drop top. Yeah, I remember I had I had to bring the car around to the front of the store, and my boss at the time gave me the Ferrari key, and I'm just like, I'm driving a Pontiac Sunfire at this time. That's that's all I know,
0: oh, wow. and
1: I was like, I guess I sh- I need to drive this thing, so I drove it around front, and yeah, it was it was pretty neat. And you know you know how I got that guy? Oh. I was walking to the bathroom away from my desk and this guy comes in he's got birking stocks socks a ripped sweater and he just looks at me and he goes hey man do you guys have that ferrari here and
0: that was it that
1: was it sometimes get lucky there ah, uh yeah so then you know i, I kind of learned that craft and you know got to the, the best part of working in like luxury kind of high end sales is the individuals you meet are super, super smart and they've all got a different way of how they made it. You get to see everybody's different side of, you know, how they've been successful. Um, But I've always been a guy that loves the city. So I went to corporate Mercedes Benz back downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I had been hearing about what Tesla had been doing. So I'd made some connections with the guys that run, run Tesla in, in Ontario. And they eventually showed up at my work one day with like their brand new P85D Tesla and said, hey Zane, come take this for a ride. And I remember my manager saying, Zane, they're trying to recruit you. And I'm like, no, 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 they just want me to try their car. And it was like a week later, uh, I took the job at Tesla.
0: So you went from one cult-like figure in Steve Jobs to another cult-like figure in Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, so like, yeah. <laughs> thing about tesla was it was a perfect combination of you know innovation doing the right thing and, and like ha- believing in a new product and it was still automotive so it was, yeah. it was perfect the thing about automotive when i got into it the the way that a sale got done and the whole like sales process was so backwards mm. um compared to to apple right apple's all about just doing the right thing finding the right fit for the customer you know kind of this new innovative approach and then going to automotive it was like Going 20 years back. So yeah, Tesla kind go. of had a mesh of, of both, which was really cool. And they, they created a position for me um, to build out a market. So my market was Southwestern Ontario. Okay. So it was me, a laptop, um, a P, like a $200,000 Tesla, the fastest one they had, uh, a credit card. And my house was literally the Tesla store on a map my phone number my cell phone number and my house was the tesla store oh yeah um, yeah and wow. the way i got the way i got customers was i would go to a hotel and i would tell the hotel uh manager i'd say hey i want to bring some high-end customers here to come see my car um can i work out of your lobby and they said yeah that's fantastic oh wow um so that's that's how i did it i would book appointments for people to come to the hotel and do test drives out of there
0: you just chill out of the hotel then what hotel was it yeah. give them a plug
1: Uh, it was the Hilton actually in Waterloo Yeah. and then I did, uh, I think it was the Hilton as well in London, London, Ontario. Uh, and then we did a bunch in downtown Toronto as well. So it was really cool. But I remember, uh, when Google came to Waterloo, um, that was like my, my new headquarters where I'd hang out by a coffee shop and like all the Google employees would come. It was
0: neat. So fast forward then a couple of years and we bump into each other in uh, BC feels like a lifetime ago. Actually. Yeah. And, uh, um, you, you were like a, you're a nice guy. You really impressed me. I'm like, we've got to, we, we we need to hire a guy. We've got to hire this guy. And I remember our manager at the time, Kelly and Morrison. And um, I was like, yeah, this guy came in with his friend. He's looking at buying a car. Uh, going, a a you, the the but, no, you
1: were a gentleman. You were a gentleman. You took me to your bar.
0: Pub. You were a nice guy. We went for, we went for a pint of Guinness and, and dinner, me, you and Justin. Trying hard to sell him that car that day. Wouldn't buy it again. Still trying to sell him a car. Um, but yeah, you came in and we worked together and we became uh, thick as thieves, the two of us. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So going from selling, you know, smartwatches and cell phones to selling, you know, $500,000. Oh, the Apple Watch wasn't even out then. Okay, well, selling iPhones, you know, which was hot at the time. I'm sure it was a thousand bucks. Yeah, for sure. sure. It was about that price at that time. So from going from that to selling, you know, $500,000 sports cars, what was the, what, was, what did you learn in that time, in that transitional period that helped you sell that kind of equipment to selling supercars? Cause it's a different, it's, it's a different oh, world, you know?
1: A hundred percent. It's intimidating at first. Yeah. But once you get over the hurdle and just understand that people are just people, yeah. And all they want is good service and they want to be guided through the process exactly. of purchasing a product. Yeah, And as long as you can sincerely find the right product for them and just guide them through it, it's not necessarily selling. It's just, let's set you up. I understand what you want. Here are the options and let them choose the right option for them. And that's really all it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think with our product, what I realized is you can go buy a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, McLaren, Bentley, whatever you want, but with us, it was almost you're selling a lifestyle as well, right? You want to be treated right when you come into the store. You want to be part of all these events. You want to feel like you're part of a club. And I think you and I did a really good job doing that with our drives up the sea of sky highway, cars and coffee, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the only difference. As long as you're passionate about what you're selling and, and you really take a, you know, a big approach to, understanding what it is yeah like and, they, and being a professional at
0: it. relationships no yeah i think for sure people at for that sure. level they just want to they want to make sure that they're not they're not being taken advantage of they're getting you know correct level of service to get a good product and they're being taken care of because re- really if you're going to buy a mclaren you can just as easily walk across the street to lamborghini ferrari or, or you know five other brands i'm sure that i could name and you could buy those cars and probably get the you know a very similar experience but it's a very much to do with the guy that you that you meet there the guy or the girl that takes care of you and and you know brings you from a to z 100 percent. so moving on from mclaren then mclaren obviously was you know where we met each other it was it was fantastic i'll spare you your blushes i won't ask you're you gonna go, go here you're gonna no, go I here. Won't. <laughs> but we'll save that for the next podcast why mclaren didn't work out in the end for that. <laughs> Tell me a bit about, uh, tell me a bit about racing. Uh, can't,
1: I don't think you can leave them hanging like that. Yeah,
0: we leave them hanging. They can tune in for the next episode. Okay, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of, uh, the cool thing about working in, in McLaren and places like that is you meet a lot of people who are movers and shakers and business owners themselves. Like if if I were to say, what is the number one attribute from somebody that buys a McLaren is they all own their own company. None of them work for anybody.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Um, they, make, they
0: make the jobs.
1: They make the jobs. So yeah. um, I remember I was literally up here on my rooftop. I'll show you. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I was just making calls at sunset, by the way.
0: For the people who are just uh, listening into audio versions and can't see, James on the roof of his house uh, oh, yeah. down by Kits Beach, looking at the so at gorgeous sunset.
1: Yeah, I just complete? I just and had uh, you know I reached reached out to a few of my you know, really personal customers and good friends. And I had somebody, you know, offering me a position right away. He's like, look, I've been wanting to start this company and uh, I think you'd be great for it. And we, we went ahead within like two weeks, I think I started. So essentially what it was is like, a, you know, we wanted to sell race cars online. So it was, it was a two sided marketplace um, where you had people that want to buy race cars and you had the cars themselves. And then we were building a platform to kind of bring those two people together. Um, And it's it's funny, like you go and you look at all the different websites that sell these race cars online, and they're just old. They're like 15 year old technology. And that's how they're being sold. And selling a race car is very difficult. Even a dealership can't look at selling a race car the same way that you sell a car that's street legal. Um, cause you got to look at, you know, so what none of these, these none of these cars are these theories in, how many hours are on the engine, you know, servicing on it. Like there's so many different things that you got to understand with buying a race car.
0: So none of these cars no. are street legal. So no. just to explain to people no. listening. they're none not. Of them, street none, legal. Of them, none of them are
1: street legal, just specific race cars for the racetrack. Yeah. Um, and there's a pretty big market out there globally. So that's what the company, uh, you know, did. So I went on and, you know, hired a, a bunch of people. Um, we started, bought a, a race car and I started racing myself just to kind of learn the craft so we could understand it a little bit more uh yeah, yeah it, was, it was fantastic yeah it was really really cool um in my most recent venture which I'm really excited about but sitting here can't travel um we're looking at starting a, something similar to Airbnb but more on like a VIP level yeah. um but essentially in Cabo, Mexico, there's, there's a big group of properties that this investment fund bought and they're going to like do a VIP service. So Keith Urban's one of the, the main investors in this company. Okay. And uh, what we're going to do is attract people. They come there, you can go fishing, you can go golfing, um, go on all these excursions, but then you're, you're staying in a big, big villa or like mansion.
0: So it's a so, luxury, it's a luxury experience again.
1: Yeah. It's like an Airbnb, but like, kind of next level more vip
0: type of thing okay okay so just to take a step back uh, from uh talking about the, the previous company the online racing company so you went from like a uh executive at a top top end you know it's an incredible brand top end luxury uh, supercar dealership to the ceo you know like the the, the top man at an online software company What was that transition? What was that transition like? That's a different. That's a different Uh, world because you're going from car sales to online marketplace. I I remember
1: sitting there and talking to my business partner, and he looked at me and he's like, "This is going to be very different. You're going to be sitting in an office every day. You're going to be hiring people. You're going to be managing people." and I was I was up for the challenge and I can tell you what, you got to flex a bunch of new muscles that you hadn't been before. You know, yeah. when you're you're selling cars, or you're selling a product, you're it's the same steps over and over meeting people. This was like, All right, I gotta get out and find good talent because you know, a company is only as good as the team of people that are there. So yeah. that was like number one, find good talent.
0: Did you find Did you find it hard to motivate those people? Because you've been motivating yourself for the last few years. Was that was that difficult? Uh
1: no, you just gotta make sure that <sighs> the number one thing I learned I would say is you got to over communicate. You've got to like, you think, you know what you got to do in your mind and you maybe say it once or twice, but that's not enough. When you're trying to lead a team of people, you need to consistently communicate the vision and where the company's going uh, and make sure that everybody's on board. I mean, I, I think I was kind of successful in, in the fact that I was really passionate and I would show that when I would interview people yeah. um, and they'd, they'd want to join this this journey and like who doesn't want to go sell race cars
0: right like yeah, it's yeah. kind of a
1: kind of a cool thing
0: it's a lot of fun
1: so uh yeah i mean i really really started realized that i enjoyed doing the design aspects of it and making sure that the aesthetic of the company the logo the branding and everything was like top notch uh, and that really became uh apparent when we were getting feedback with customers and what they were saying um but yeah that that's kind of uh probably my biggest takeaways from that
0: Nice. Cool. Um, what are you doing to pass the time in quarantine? No, you're not in Ugh. quarantine. You're in lockdown. You don't have the coronavirus. Sean, <laughs> Sean,
1: I'm, I'm cooking every day. So uh, the latest thing we did was, so because of all these restaurants, they can't serve food. Yeah. Um, there's all these wholesalers that would normally deliver the food to these restaurants. They're actually out offering their products to the public. So okay. I drove to Coquitlam. I was like, 35 minutes away and we got a bunch of lamb tomahawks uh tuna like i got like 10 pounds of blueberries we made a blueberry pie yeah so i've been cooking quite a bit brilliant. yeah i gotta get to the gym man
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so that's that's really about it i'll i'll take a drive through stanley park in my car every once in a while uh i just finally got my motorcycle back on the road nice uh yesterday so there's a license plate on it so
0: that's social isolation on your own yep. on the bike
1: yeah exactly you can have one so, person with you that's okay 100 percent. so that's that's really all i've been doing um what kind of bike you really have for be,
0: all the can't. all the petrol heads out there you got a pretty quick bike i'm sure haven't you uh
1: yeah i got the ducati v4 so yeah. it's just it's like to kind M- of give you it's an like idea super bikes just to give you an idea i the bike's about 400 pounds okay. and it's 215 horsepower wow so it's got about as much power as a Golf GTI Whoa. on one rear wheel. So it's uh, it's, it's quite a machine.
0: Sick. And it's uh, it's red. It looks pretty cool, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, red. It's, yes. Yeah, it's I still series. have
1: the McLaren sticker on it, by the way. Do
0: you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What about you? What What have you been doing to keep to keep uh, your sanity?
0: I've been. What have I been doing? I've been I've been kind of losing my mind a little bit. I think. Uh, yeah. The walls. Yeah. Uh, driving my girlfriend crazy in our uh, one bedroom downtown apartment in Vancouver. But what have I been doing? I've been like, uh, I've been jogging in the mornings. I've been keeping up to date with Netflix, watching Tiger King.
1: Isn't that a crazy show? Yeah, you watch that, yeah? Oh, Exotic Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the cool. heck is that?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. Everybody who hasn't seen it, go check it out Tiger King, Exotic Joe. No, but I've been trying to keep productive. Um, but it's weird, you know, I think the world is going to be a very different place when we get back, um, whether that's positive or negative. Uh, it all depends on your own mindset and what you're willing to do now while it's you know while, while we are in uh, lockdown. And that's kind of why I'm doing this um, podcast. I really enjoyed oh, the, sorry.
1: I was talking a good, to a good friend of mine and, and we were talking about how this is going to drive new innovation. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been talking
0: about doing a podcast for two years, you know I have, and I really wanted yeah. to do one. I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, take, to the, take the future under 40 event that I loved hosting. And we had, you know, some fantastic nights. You were, you were at them last year. And um, we said, st- you know, I started that last year and it was, it went from strength to strength. I really enjoyed it. I said, why not just bring those people on and get them to talk about their lives and, you know, their, their business experience and what's, what's good and what's bad and what their hopes are for the future. What do you 100%. think? What do you think the biggest business change we're going to see in the world is from this coronavirus
1: oh well uh, that's, a, that's a tough question but I, I can tell you this uh i was having a good strong debate with a friend of mine where all these companies that have these brick and mortar massive campuses yeah. are going to analyze how effective they are with people working at home oh, and imagine yeah. how much they could save having people work remotely and not have to invest in paying for coffee and food and, and parking and these, these massive campuses. The buildings. Yeah.
0: The building. Right. Stokes, yeah. So
1: that, that could change, um, looking at zoom and what's happened with zoom, like talk about a, a major success story
0: yeah, we're on um, right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of cool things. I th- I think like products that connect you, like you look at a Peloton, Peloton bike, I think they're called, yeah. um, you know, just anything like that that you can be connected virtually um you're gonna see a ton of a ton of change
0: mm.
1: so excellent yeah sean
0: all right buddy um i want to thank you for coming on this is the hey, original... any, anytime
1: i look forward to seeing who's next uh yeah. if, there's, if there's anything you, you need from me, let me know
0: big boots to fill this is the yeah. original future under 40 podcast so thanks for coming on um And, uh, yeah, stay safe during this time. And I'm I'm sure I'll see you, uh, pretty soon.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, John. Adios.
0: Take care. Take it easy. Thanks. Bye. Thanks everybody for listening. That's the end of our episode. Tune in again next week for another future podcast.